Welcome to See It or Shove It. I'm your host, Greg, and I'm here again this week to give you my thoughts on the latest movies playing in theaters and streaming on your TV. Also this week, I share the latest arrival on streaming services and now streaming. Be Kind Rewind looks at the film you voted for. And we have the return of Binge It or Singe It. Let's get started. For our featured movies this week, DC launches a new franchise with The Flash, Pixar returns with its latest, Elemental, and a group of friends make a terrifying choice in The Blackening. First up, a forensic scientist tries to revise history with catastrophic results. This is The Flash. The latest entry from DC stars Ezra Miller as Barry Allen, a scientist with a secret. He is also the Flash, a superhero who feels like he's always cleaning up other superheroes' messes. Barry lives a life of grief as he is scarred from his mother's death when he was a child and his father's wrongful imprisonment for her murder. He discovers that he has the ability to turn back time, which gives him the idea to go back to the day of his mother's murder where he can put the extra can of tomatoes that she forgot into her basket at the market, therefore saving both her and his father from the consequences of that fateful day. However, he is warned not to do this by Batman, played by Oscar winner Ben Affleck. Disregarding this warning, Barry goes back to that day where he meets an alternate version of himself. Now without his powers, Barry number one must train Barry number two. When things go terribly wrong, Barry must call upon other members of the Justice League, for help. One problem. Barry's time travel has created a world without heroes, and Superman has been allegedly imprisoned by Zod, played by Michael Shannon, and the only one available to help is Batman. Now played in this multiverse by Oscar nominee Michael Keaton. Together, Barry, Barry, and Batman, who are later joined by another superhero, must work to reset the multiverse before it is too late. When I saw the trailer for this, I thought it would be a see it. And I give this film a... See it. Okay, so let me get this out of the way. For me, Ezra Miller's toxicity in their private life did not take away from my enjoyment of this film. They gave a performance that was charming, engaging, manic, and touching at various points throughout. I really hope they get their life together because there's some real talent there. Now, as far as the film goes, audiences have not been kind from what I hear, but I loved it. I thought the action was great, the pacing was great, and the surprises throughout were so much fun. Sure, the CGI was not the best I've ever seen, but there were also some set pieces that looked fantastic as well. To me, this is a typical mindless summer popcorn movie that you go to to have fun. 
I'm not a connoisseur of superhero lore, so I tend to be able to enjoy these films from a perspective of someone with tempered expectations. So if you're like me in that respect, you may have a good time with this. Next, a young girl faces a dilemma when she becomes friends with a forbidden element. This is Elemental. This shop is dream of our family. Someday it'll all be yours. But we all live by one simple rule. Elements cannot mix. The pipe squished me all out of shape. In Pixar's latest, Element City is filled with the haves and have-nots. The haves are water people who live a privileged life flowing through the city's canals to and from their high-rise homes, while the have-nots are the fire people who are banished to Firetown, a community of people who may be looked down upon but live a happy life supporting one another in a tight-knit community. In between, we have Earth and Air who make brief appearances throughout. Think of them as the middle class in this social structure. The communities collide when a feisty young girl named Ember, voiced by Leah Lewis, a second-generation immigrant working for her father's market, ruptures a pipe creating a water explosion that threatens the existence of everyone in Firetown. Soon after arrives City Inspector Wade, an overly sensitive blob of water voiced by Mamadou Athi. Their friendship gets off to a rough start as Wade cites several code violations that he must report. Desperate to keep her father's store open, Ember embarks on a journey to the Forbidden City to save her family business, a journey that also leads to forbidden love. When I saw the trailer for this, I predicted it would be a see-it, and I give this film a... See-it! Like The Flash, this is another one that didn't do well at the box office this weekend. But, is it ever a cute and inspiring story? I really enjoyed this. I think part of the problem is the marketing was terrible. I really had no idea from the trailer what this was going to be about. Nothing that I saw prepared me for the depth of emotion that I'd see. Not only was it a story about forbidden love, but also one about pursuing one's dreams as Ember isn't happy about having to take over the market after her father's retirement, she'd rather be an artist with her glass-blowing abilities. Will this go down as one of Pixar's best? Nope, but I'm going to give Pixar a temporary pass since they've been through a lot. Their CEO was exposed as a perv and had to leave the company, then COVID hit and impacted their productions, and then former Disney CEO, the awful Bob Chapek, seemed determined to ship all of their titles to Disney+, Plus, completely bypassing theaters. So I'm sure morale was low and things were ending up being half-assed. But you know what? Half-assed Pixar is still better than most. Go see it if you enjoy animated films. Next, a group of friends meet for a weekend reunion that has deadly consequences. This is The Blackening. I think we have to play the game. In your predicament, 
A black character is always the first to die. I will spare your lives if you sacrifice the person you deem the blackest to blackest. Nobody should judge anybody in your brain. You have two minutes to decide. See, Nick, she said nigga the most. Nick! See? Wait, you don't can't pick me! I'm gay. Oh, Clinton. Yeah. I can prove I'm not the blackest. Prove it. I've never seen Friday. I voted for Trump. This film stars Grace Byers, Sinkwa Walls, who was also in last week's Mending the Line, Dwayne Perkins, and Antoinette Robinson as a group of college friends, which also includes Jay Farrow, Yvonne Orji, Jermaine Fowler, X Mayo, and Melvin Gregg. One weekend, they all plan to reunite to celebrate Juneteenth at a cabin in the woods. Soon after arriving, things start to get weird as they get trapped in a room containing a board game called The Blackening a racist game with a talking Sambo in the middle of the board. They are confronted through a speaker by a killer who informs them that in order to survive, they must all play the game. It is now necessary to sacrifice the blackest member of the group in order for everyone else to survive. Who do they pick? And who makes it out alive? When I saw the trailer for this, I predicted it would be a see-it. And I give this film a... See-it! It was a good week for movies this week. This was a fun, brisk ride of a film that had an incredible balance of humor, terror, and social commentary. It had me on the edge of my seat throughout, wondering who the killer was and what was the motivation. The answer to these questions may surprise you. The cast was all great, as it was believable that they would all be friends with a long history. The horror elements were quite scary at times, which is a good thing. I really enjoyed how humorous this all was in the middle of being a horror film. The film uses typical horror tropes and turns some of them on their head. In fact, the film's tagline is one of the best I've seen in a while. It says, we can't all die first, which is a knock on the horror film trope that all black characters are usually the first to die. Anyway, if you like horror films peppered with humor, you'll probably enjoy this one. That is it for this week's featured films. To recap, The Flash is in theaters now and is a see-it. Elemental is in theaters now and is also a see-it. And The Blackening is in theaters now and is a see-it. And it's my pick of the week. Now, on to my segment where I share where you can find some of the films released within the last few months that are now available for home viewing. This is now streaming. There's only one new release on streaming this week, and it is the true story of a gifted violinist who faces a challenge both professionally and socially. It is Chevalier. Calvin Harrison Jr. plays Joseph Bologna Chevalier de Saint-Georges in 18th century France. It's a knockout performance. It is now streaming on Hulu, and you can hear my full review on episode 76. Now it's time for my segment where I look at films from the past. This is Be Kind, Rewind. Continuing on my series where I take the 52-week movie challenge, this week's topic was a movie with the word new in its title, and the choices were Gangs of New York, Gremlins 2, The New Batch, and New Jack City. 
you voted, and the film you selected was Gangs of New York. With this knife that struck him down, let me put to rest my father's ghost. Who are you? You're the priest's son, aren't you? His name's Amsterdam. Amsterdam. I'm New York. Everything you see belongs to me. The moose boys and quick thieves and blind tigers here in paradise. Everybody owes, everybody pays. In Martin Scorsese's 2002 epic, Oscar winner Leonardo DiCaprio portrays Amsterdam Vallon, a man who in his youth witnessed his father get killed in a gang fight in the mid-1800s. After the death, he is whisked away and hidden for his own safety. Years later, he returns to the scene of the death in the infamous Five Points District in New York, where he finds Manhattan overrun by gangs. Most prominent is The Natives, which is led by Bill the Butcher Cutting, played by three-time Oscar winner Daniel Day-Lewis. Bill the Butcher is vehemently opposed to the immigration of the Irish who are beginning to become prominent in New York City. He believes the country should only be for native-born Americans. Complicating matters is Amsterdam, who has returned to the city, seeking revenge on Bill the Butcher, who is the man responsible for the death of his father. Amsterdam infiltrates the gang, where he reconnects with Johnny, played by Henry Thomas, who played Elliot in the film E.T. many years before. The two become major players in Bill's gang until Amsterdam begins to fall for Jenny Everdeen, a pickpocket grifter played by Cameron Diaz. This sets up a love triangle between Amsterdam, Johnny, and Jenny, causing Johnny to betray Amsterdam by revealing his true identity and intentions to Bill, causing a dangerous game of cat and mouse. Released on December 20, 2002, Gangs of New York earned nearly $194 million on a budget of $100 million. Having grown up in the Little Italy borough of New York, Scorsese was always curious about how New York was run in the early days, leading him to developing this film, based on the novel of the same name by Herbert Asbury. Scorsese battled Harvey Weinstein, who demanded a shorter version of the film, which was submitted at more than three hours long. They eventually settled on two hours and 48 minutes, although Scorsese was rumored to be unhappy with the theatrical cut, instead preferring the longer version. The film earned a spot on many of the top ten lists for the year and garnered ten Academy Award nominations, including Best Picture, yet failed to win any. The best chance it had was for Day-Lewis to earn his second Oscar for his ferocious performance. However, at the time, stiff competition and a groundswell of support for the film The Pianist led to Adrian Brody to win for that film. Gangs of New York is available to stream on Paramount+. Plus. Next week's Be Kind Rewind topic is a film celebrating its 25th anniversary. So that brings us back to 1998. And the choices are The Truman Show, The Wedding Singer, or The Big Lebowski. Come to my Instagram at theatershoveit to vote for which film I should focus on, and the post with the most likes will be next week's segment. Now, let's move on to Binge It or Singe It. A teenage boy unwittingly gets roped into a battle of Chinese mythological gods. This is Disney Plus's American-born Chinese. What's going on? I'm not from this world. 
face of your world hangs in the balance. Well, I don't really see how I fit into this whole thing. Oh, my guide. I think it was something a little bit cooler than guide. Servant? Yeah, no, you're right. Guy's better. Young Jin Wang, played by Ben Wang, is a second-generation Chinese-American teenager who struggles between respecting and honoring his family's heritage and living a modern American life. His parents, Christine and Simon, are struggling as well in a marriage that is seemingly falling apart with each passing day. Jin goes to a school with a predominantly white demographic, which forces him to hide his love of anything Chinese, from his interest in anime, to his heritage, to his best friend Anuj, who has a penchant for cosplay. He tries out for and gets a spot on the school soccer team and seems to be on track to living the American life he dreams of. That is, until one day at school, he is assigned to be a guide for a new Chinese exchange student named Wei Chen, played by Jimmy Lu. Wei Chen has no shame in his heritage, and this forces Jin into several embarrassing situations, some of which end up as videos on social media. Jin feels like he's becoming the punchline for white amusement, a concept which is juxtaposed with that of 90s sitcom actor Freddie Wong, played by recent Oscar winner Kihi Kwan, an actor who once portrayed a stereotypical Asian character in a series called Beyond Repair. Soon, Wei Chen reveals himself to be the son of Sung Wukong, the Monkey King, played by Daniel Wu. He has traveled from heaven to earth and shares with Jin a prophecy where he needs to find a sacred scroll to prevent an uprising in heaven. Wei Chen is protected and guarded by Guan Yin, the goddess of compassion, played by recent Oscar winner Michelle Yeoh. The series is a hodgepodge of things. First, it is a teenage drama where the main character is battling the annoyances of puberty and growing up. It's also an action series with epic battles between good and evil. And it's a commentary on cultural differences and how people who are different from others are treated in society. Each of the eight half-hour episodes breezes by with a good balance of drama and humor. I enjoyed this for the most part and think it would be an entertaining show for teens and tweens to watch. I rate this one as a binge it, and I look forward to seeing how the story continues should this series receive a second season renewal. All episodes of American Born Chinese can be streamed on Disney+. This concludes this episode of See It or Shove It. As always, thank you so much for joining me and lending me your ears for a little bit. I appreciate the time you give me. Support your local theaters by going to see some of the movies I reviewed this month, and while you're at it, share my podcast with your movie and TV-loving friends and family. Don't forget, you can now drop me a line at seeitorshoveit at gmail.com and let me know of any ideas or suggestions you have. Follow me on Instagram and Letterboxd at seeitorshoveit and rate me wherever you get your podcast. Come back next week to hear my thoughts on the new releases, which include Jennifer Lawrence's return to comedy in No Hard Feelings, and Wes Anderson takes us on a trip to Asteroid City. Have a great week, everyone. I'll catch you next time. This episode of See It or Shove It was recorded in Orlando, Florida, and is produced by Gregory G. Productions. Music by Mysterio Music. All rights reserved.